Welcome to the Cheerleading Junkie. I'm your host, Jill Markley. Today, we are really excited to be speaking with Stingray All-Stars coach, Ashley Coffey. Ashley is an educator and an accomplished coach, and anyone who looks into her profile can see that she is also widely considered to be one of the most caring and supporting coaches in the sport today. Thanks for joining us, Ashley. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat. Great. So how long have you been coaching cheerleading? So I started student coaching when I was a sophomore in high school. Um, I just helped with one of our mini teams. And then I got my first um, full year right after I graduated. So probably about 11 years that I've been coaching and then two student coaching years before that. So, Oh, wow. That's exciting. Um, so... When you made the decision to sort of start coaching, was it just like your gym was, hey, we need help on our minis team? Does anybody want to sign up? Or was it something you knew you wanted to try? Um, I honestly don't even remember how I went to that first peppermint practice. I think the team that I was on that year just practiced like right after the mini one did. And so I think I was like there early one day and I just happened to wander over. Um, and the two coaches that were there were awesome. They're two of my best friends now. Um, and I just kind of started like hanging out and then I was like, Hey, can I come back next week? So I came back the next week and before I knew it, I was there all the time and roped in for multiple years. So it was kind of just like the team was already there. I was already there. And I don't even really remember how I wandered over there, but um, that's how it started was I just went over and started helping and then just kept on from there. So. Wow. That's interesting. So were you a cheerleader, like all growing up, like Pop Warner, high school, all that, or were you just more all-stars or what's your history there? Um, I did start in rec league um, when I was four, I think, and um, then a couple years later, I started All-Stars, and I tried to take one season off, and one of the girls in my neighborhood, um, I think like in August, said, we need a back spot. Would you come back? And so I took from May to August off, and <laughs> that entire time, um, I ended up back. So I've been cheering pretty much my whole life. Oh, wow. Exciting. Do you like have a preference as an athlete between like, you know, all stars or well, did you do high school? I must have missed that. I did do high school as well. Yes. Yeah. Because for me, they're very different um, sports, basically for athletes. Like that's kind of what I always tell them is just two different experiences. So do you feel like that or? I think it definitely is. I think there are pros to both. Um, and there are cons to both for sure. I think that it kind of just depends on what each athlete likes. I know that I liked all-star better because I just liked the big lights and the bigger competition. Um, I also, my senior year didn't do high school because I had gotten in to student coaching and it, and I was working in the office at the gym. So it was just too much to do it all. And that was the one thing that I was like, this, this, I'm okay if I don't do this. So that, that was it for me. I know some kids would be like, no way am I giving that up my senior year. Um, so I think it's just an athlete preference, but for me, I love the all-star gym. So yeah, I agree. They're just, they seem like almost two different sports to me. Mm -hmm. so. I agree. Um, so you're very successful as a coach. I saw some recent things that you've won and some other things and a lot of like testimonies and, and posts that parents, put you in and say, oh, you're amazing and stuff like that. Do you have like a formula that you follow that gets you there to be so successful? 
Goodness. Well, thank you. First off, um, that's very, that's really sweet of you to say. Um, I had the privilege of learning from some really awesome people, I think, and that's kind of where it came from. I was able to just learn for years from so many coaches um, in my gym and, and learn so many different ways to approach things. Um, I think a formula, I'm not sure. I, I think that I just set out and tell my teams that there's an expectation and we have a specific goal, whatever that goal is, whether it's to be competitive at every competition or, you know, to make top five or top three of the summit or whatever the goal is. Um, we just set that expectation on day one and then go over all the things we're going to have to do to get there and then really just try to follow through with all of that, I think is important to, to keep in mind, have that goal. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think goal setting is really important. Mm -hmm. um, you set goals like, so you mentioned team goals, but do you work with the athletes and set individual goals or, you know, how do you do that? Yes. Um, our flyers, first off, we work with them um, kind of individually in a group, especially in the summer, just on stretching and flexibility goals and things like that. Um, and then I'll also have conversations with the kids one-on-one -on -one and say, I'd like for you to get this skill by this time, you know, make sure that that can you get in classes and make sure that that's happening. Or um, I'll tell a stunt group, I want you to be able to do this by this date, um, get in the gym and make that happen, that kind of thing. So definitely working with um, the kids individually to on their small goals to help reach the team goal for sure. Okay. So you know, I think successful people, they tend to have a vision for success. So like, and that might seem weird to think about it that way, but how do you even start planning a season? Because so we're all sources getting ready to wrap up, right? And you're about mm -hmm. to start planning your next season. So what are the things that you're starting to do right now? So I always go back at the beginning of a season in whatever division I'm in, I rewatch the top three teams from Summit for the past three years. So I'll go back, not just this past year, but three, and I watch it from Summit and then also the larger nationals. And I just take note of the trends, things that are being done in the division that seem like must-haves, things that seem overdone sometimes that maybe we need to move away from. Um, and I'll also watch if I had if I had a team in that division, I'll go back and watch them um, to kind of see where were we strong, where were we weak, where do we need to either keep going or make up ground for this upcoming year. So I think that's one of the biggest things that I try to do is just really study the divisions to figure out, okay, what is needed and maybe how can we do it in a little bit of a different way so we have what we need, but we also stand out. Hmm. Interesting. Do you do your own choreography or does your gym bring in a choreographer for you to work with? Um, for the past couple years, um, I've kind of done my own teams, I guess. We just kind of put it together um, at practice and the coaches that I coach with, we kind of collaborate. We definitely do our own stunts and pyramids and then we'll put the routine in the order that we want. Sometimes we'll bring in somebody for fluff, um, but my teams, we pretty much do everything but the dance. Um, ourselves. There are some teams that bring in choreographers, but I've just found that the past couple years, when you get to know a team and you know exactly what they need and where kids have to get to, sometimes it's easier just to put the puzzle together yourself. Yeah, for sure. And you know the kids, so you know what they're capable of. And right. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, but in dances, they always seem really 
complicated to me too. So is that is that part of why you sort of leave the dance for? Um, it's just not my strong suit. It's not my favorite thing to do. Um, so I just prefer to. That's one section that I just don't feel like I'm strong enough to do myself. I would prefer to bring somebody else in because I just feel like that's gonna be best for my teams. Yeah. Yeah, me too. And sometimes too, um, just to go off a little bit, when you bring in a choreographer for stunts and pyramids, sometimes it just changes anyway. Throughout the exactly. Sometimes it changes when I do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So interesting. Um, so for someone who has been coaching and cheering for as long as you have been, you must have hit some points like, oh, I'd only known this yesterday. You know, like, do you have anything like that that you could share with people who listen? Um, gosh, that list could really go on and on. I feel, like, I feel like I learn things all the time and I'm like, man, if I had only known that five minutes ago. Um, I think big picture speaking, just things that I wish that I would have known. Um, first and foremost, the kids, when you're coaching them, they're more than a skill. Like I think that I used to look at kids and I would just see the skill or see what they could do because that's, you know, we're tunnel vision sometimes. And now I take a step back and I think, well, that kid isn't just this skill. You know, they're they're humans. They, you know, they're, they're people. So kind of just knowing that you have to look at the kids, their whole, their whole self um, mm-hmm. is really important, I think. And the more I coach, the more that I'm able to remember that and... So just knowing that, you know, you have to remember to coach kids just as that, as kids, I think is important and something that I wish that I would have done from the beginning is remembered that they're little humans, you know, they're not little robots and remembered that as I was coaching. So that's definitely one thing. I think another thing um, to kind of go off of that is that as a coach, I'm never going to make everyone happy Um, (laughs) coaching and coaching cheerleading in particular comes with a lot of stress and a lot of pressure Mm -hmm. and a lot of decision-making. And no matter what decision that you make, it's always going to be scrutinized by someone. And so as long as you've thought it through and it's what's best for kids and it's what's best for a team, then you shouldn't lose sleep over the decision that you've made. I that's something that I wish that I would have really remembered, um, or known on day one. I still have trouble remembering it sometimes, but, um, you know, just always remember that you're doing the best you can and that that's enough. Yeah. Yeah. I've certainly have many sleepless nights, even making decisions and then regretting decisions or double thinking decisions. Absolutely. It's so hard to do that for sure. Um, and I think too, kind of talking about what you said where kids are more than a skill. I, I know in the world of cheerleading, everybody's kind of like crazy about attendance schedules. Um, and one thing that I've learned, not just COVID years, but previously is like, it's one practice, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if who needs to go to a wedding or on vacation, like I don't sweat it as long as I know it, you know, um, also, but have you run into anything like that? That's maybe been like highlighted in COVID. Cause you know, now that I can work without kids in practice, it works great COVID year. Cause they don't ever show up. You know? Right. So, yeah. So we did kind of talk about the, the gotchas, but if you were like kind of training a new coach, you know, or bringing somebody on maybe like a junior athlete or, you know, a junior coach, I mean, what, where would you start? What, what would you want them to know first? 
I think before anyone really gets into coaching, um, they have to understand the big picture and know that coaching is more than just understanding cheerleading and counting to eight at the front of the floor. Um, It takes a lot of time outside of practice and you have to study your division. You have to study your team videos. Um, You have to think about the routine outside of practice. You can't just show up and fix it. Um, Coaching also involves parent meetings and organization and scheduling and so much more than just what people see on the surface. So I think um, before people start coaching, they just need to kind of know all of that before they sign up for it because it is definitely something um, that's a lifestyle, not just a show up to work and work and then leave. So before somebody really gets invested, I think that it's important to to know what all really is involved because it's definitely a lot more than just, you know, cheerleading. It's a lot of stuff on the outside too. Yeah, for sure. And I think I've never heard anybody call it a lifestyle to be a cheer coach before, but that's exactly right. I think Um, that's exactly what it is. So because it it does, it's like all consuming. Mm -hmm. It is. It really is. You'll be, you know, out with your friends who are also cheerleading coaches at dinner. And before you know it, your whole conversation is your teams. It wasn't even a dinner. It was let's, let's talk and plan. So it definitely is. Yeah, I know. My husband um, will always ask, like, if I'm like, you want to go out for dinner with so-and-so? He'll go, well, is their husband coming? Because I don't want to talk about cheerleading. (laughs) (laughs) So it definitely comes up. But that's interesting. It's an interesting way to look at it. Um, So do you have a favorite level or age group that you coach? All these questions are so tough because I don't think I can just, you know, narrow it down. But um I coached Tiny One for a really long time, and I was in love with that division, just being able to coach the littles and almost introduce them to everything. You know, we would teach how to count to eight, Um, and I thought that that was really fun to be able to kind of introduce them to the sport. Um, But recently, I've had youth two for five years, and I absolutely love that division. I think that they're little kids, so they're still small, but also they understand it really well and they want to be competitive and they want to be great. Um, so I think that division's really fun. And I also coach two junior threes right now. So obviously I like that um, because I, I just like, I like level three. I think it's fun, the stuff that you can do. And I think that junior three, there's just something about it that, again, the kids are fun. They want to be great. Um it's just a fun division for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All the divisions do introduce something differently. Mm-hmm. I'd like the, the little, I used to think I liked like older senior level teams, but this year I coached a minis team and um, we don't have tinies, but they like, they learn a high V and they're like, coach, you got to watch me. And I just love like seeing that, that pride, you know, that they have granted today, you know, like they are learning handstands and forward rolls and stuff. And they're so excited. And so I love that kind of energy. Mm -hmm. I have a kid on my youth two this year who I had on tiny one, um, a couple years ago, a lot of years ago now, I guess. And her mom sent me a video a couple weeks ago when she learned like her back bend pull up and she like squeals and goes, we send it to coach Ashley. And I just thought it was so cute to like see that memory and then get to go coach her. Um, it practiced that week. That was just really fun. And, and I was just like, Oh, memories. Yeah, I know. They're so sweet. So how do you motivate 
like a, a group of kids, especially a group that young. Like I know my minis, like I said, their first year. So we incorporate like a lot of games and they have like a prize bin and stuff like that. But how do you, how do you do it, especially with the varied ages that you're coaching right now? Well, I think no matter what age a child is, they will obviously respond to uh, motivation that is from a prize. Um, you just kind of have to dif- differentiate the prize. Um, though I say that, and I feel like my junior three will work just as hard for a sticker as well. <laughs> so now that I say that, I'm not sure. But, um, you know, our treasure box for our youth too obviously has like more toys and little things. And then for the older kids, sometimes I'll get like those little face masks like that they can put on or whatever. Um, or just like nail, little nail polishes, like those little things. So I just try to vary the prizes, but I think that no matter what kids will work for a prize. Um, (laughs) we also just keep record of things. So with both of my junior threes, they have, um, a poster that has all the stunt groups on it and they have to keep track of their stunt reps outside of practice. And then the team that gets, or the group that gets the most, then we'll get a prize at the end of like our, you know, month and a half or whatever window they have to get their reps in. So we just do things like that. I think when they can keep track of it, it helps to motivate them too. Um, But then also kind of going back to what I said earlier, I think that when you get kids on board with you or to get kids on board with you, you have to treat them as people first. So when you care about them and you invest in their life and you have just conversations about school or about their brother or their sister or their pet, um, and they know that you care, then they'll pretty much do anything for you. Um, so I think that, you know, that's really important to me as an educator too. I follow one, an educator on Instagram who her motto is relationships first, everything else second. And I just always try to remember that, that it's, working with them first and giving them like a positive, fun place. And then everything else will fall into place. Cause then when you've invested in them and you need them to get in that extra class and you're like, I need you to do this. They're motivated and they'll go because they, they know that you care, that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. I think, um, sounds strange when I say it as a gym owner and I run a really successful high school program, but I always say stuff like the end of the day, this is just cheerleading, Mm -hmm. you know? the other stuff that really, you know, we're focused on that's way more important. Absolutely. So. And it, it really is. I mean, it, like we said, it is our lifestyle and it is definitely important and can get intense, but you know, it shouldn't be so, it shouldn't be stressful or it shouldn't be, I guess that kind of went off, but it shouldn't be something that stresses kids out. It should always be fun and something that, you know, they want to do to get better. Cause it really is just cheerleading, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's weird to say. It It really is. Yeah. goes against everything. (laughs) (laughs) But we had um, a couple girls come into our gym inquiring about our next season tryouts. And they're from another gym, you know, and the mom was saying, well, they leave practice every day and they're crying. And I was thinking, I, I, you know what, I'm never going to be, I'm never going to push them like that. Like, that's not something, you know, so if we never make worlds, I'm okay with that. As long as your kid always goes home, you know, I mean, you get stress in your life, but I don't think you should cry. You know, Not every practice. Definitely not. I don't think I told my youth kids like every once in a while, if you leave and you're upset, that's okay. Cause it's going to happen. You know, we're going to condition, we're going to work hard. You might not like me every once in a while, but if it's like every practice, then we got to talk and figure something out. Cause you know, it should definitely, we want it to be competitive, but it should be fun and competitive at the same time. Yeah. 
So considering how important relationships are to you, um, how do you have those difficult conversations with like an eight-year-old or a nine-year-old who wants to be the center of the dance or the point flyer, you know, but they just aren't maybe ready for that? Or, you know, how are you communicating with them? I think it varies kid to kid. You kind of have to think about the child that you're talking to and that you're working with um, to know how to approach it. But um, I think sometimes you can just be, you can be honest with them and be, and be real with them. You know, I was talking to a girl on my youth too a couple weeks ago who we went down a stunt group and she was no longer basing. And um, I said, you know, you are going to tumble because you're a really strong tumbler and, and, we can put somebody else in a stunt. It's going to be a really strong base and they're going to be able to get our stunt score, but then you're going to be able to contribute because you've got really pretty specialty tumbling. So we can throw you into that. So I think um, being honest and saying like, you're really strong at this and this is what we're going to use you for is important. And then just remembering to kind of like pump them up. So she wasn't basing and she was disappointed about that. But when I was like, you're a really beautiful tumbler and that's why you're going to do this. Um, she was able to be like, okay, I'll, I'll do it. You got it. So I think when you're honest with them and you just kind of pump them up at the same time, um, that's the best way to go is to go about it for sure. And what about um, with parents when you have to have those difficult conversations on the other side of the coin? Goodness, those can be hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that over the years, I've learned that at the end of the day, when a parent, a parent doesn't want to be having a hard conversation any more than you do. Like they don't want to be having that one either. So just listening from their point of view and giving them a chance to talk um, and really hear what they're saying is important. And then again, reply with honesty and, you know, just explain to them that you're doing the best you can for every child on the team and you're trying to give um, the team the very best that they can get while also being the very best you can for each individual child. And um, I guess kind of just being human about it and saying that, you know, this is what's happening. I'm doing the best I can, but then also really hearing them and trying to respond to their concerns and, and also give them help. So if it's that, you know, they want to know why their child isn't in a stunt, really hear what they're saying and then, you know, give them things that they can do to maybe be in the stunt next season or be in the pyramid stunt or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Help them grow. Mm -hmm. I know I always think um, initially, I think when I started coaching way too many years ago, I f like parents were, were like, ah, you know, it was like really stressful. But then at some point I realized they're sort of responsible for the PR for their kid, mm -hmm. right? So like if anybody's going to tell you how great their kid is, it should be the parents, you know? Absolutely. And so, you know, like if you look at them like that and think, well, you know, I mean, that's all they're trying to do, you know, hopefully it makes that relationship a little easier. Although there are some to your parents. <laughs> well, one day I thought about it too. And I thought about like, when I get my score sheets or have to go to AccuScore, like I am fighting for my team yeah. hard and I will, you know, get really defensive about them. So I, one day I just thought about it and I was like, they're just coming to AccuScore for their kid. It's the same thing. Like you just got to remember that, like you would go just as hard if it was your team. So remember that's like their kid is their team. So they're going to, you know, they want to know and they want, they want answers and they want it right. So I guess it, it makes sense when you really think about it. Yeah, it does. It's hard. I think it takes a couple years to build that. You know what I mean? And Maturity it's still hard, I think. I mean, talking to parents, I don't, 
It definitely never really gets easier. It is is tough sometimes, and because you definitely want them to be happy, um, yeah. we want their kid to be happy, so then they're happy. So it definitely is tough, but it, I guess it gets easier. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. We just get better, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so Ashley, what have you done this year to deal with absences due to COVID and injuries on your team? So this season specifically knowing that I guess kids might be out frequently and they have, um, and for COVID, but also because of injuries, I had one of my junior three athletes come. So one from the small came to the medium practices and one from the medium came to the small practices. Once we really got our routine and just kind of learned both. So then they were able to step in. Um, we also had an athlete who on one of my team's, who has been um, in the program before, but she came back to our medium junior three a little bit later, like in December, after we already had stunt groups and she's a really great base. Um, But instead of putting her in a group, we left her out because then we knew that like whatever group was out, she could go into. So like we did have a kid I mean, I think she's competed at like four competitions and she's not even in a stunt group and she's based because we've had a kid that was quarantined, a kid get hurt. And so um, just having that, I think was really helpful. I might do that for the rest of my coaching career, just leave a good base out of the, out of the stunts so then they can just step in wherever. Um, but, and then just being flexible to changes and knowing that the full stunt sequence doesn't have to go. You can take an element out if you're having to fill somebody in last minute um, you can even take a stunt down. Some one of one of my teams did that. We had a kid that wasn't going to be able to come to a competition, and two that were injured, so we were out three athletes. And instead of filling in the athletes for the routine to be as is, we took down a stunt and adjusted the routine to fit what we had, and it ended up working way better. So I think this season in particular has really taught just flexibility and working with what you have, and just kind of being creative in order to fill in those holes for injuries or whatever. Mm-hmm. So um, you mentioned you coach a J3 small and a J3 medium. Like, how do you make the decision to break break those up into two teams as opposed to just having like a J3 large? Is it about the different competition that's out there? Or because if they're all J3, they should theoretically be same age, same skill. Um, yeah, they all, yeah, they are all the same skill and same age. The gym, we kind of do that at tryouts. Um, all the coaches build the teams and there were just too many for one team. So we made two. How <laughs> that came about. <laughs> There's actually three junior threes at our gym. We also have an international. So oh, wow. there were just that many, that many kids that were junior age with tucks. So we were able to build those three teams. Oh, that's nice. Um, so do you coach like all facets of cheerleading? Meaning like, like I'll say to people, you know, I think I'm a good cheerleading coach I'm not a good tumbling coach and so I don't I don't even try to spot tumbling at certain levels or above certain levels I should say you know are you are you like more able to do everything or do you kind of pick parts you know um I am not a tumbling instructor (laughs) I can help a kid I mean I know like what kids need to do but I don't teach classes um I can help a kid clean up skills I can get it on count in a routine but as far as like kids getting in the getting the skill um I let other tumbling instructors handle that with drills and and things like that and then I just worry about you know cleaning it and 
getting it on count, that kind of thing. So I think that I'm good at routines and big pictures. Um, sometimes I have to like slow down and remind myself to look at like the smaller details. Yeah. Well, I think that's part of being a good coach too, is like looking, knowing what you're good at and where you're maybe need someone to be complimentary to you, mm -hmm. you know, and feel set as far as who you bring in on your staff. Right. Absolutely. And I think that's something too. We talked about things that we learned. I think that that's something that you learn. The more you coach, it's okay that, you know, you have a weak spot. There's people that can help you with that, that that's their strong spot and you just want your team to be successful. So admit that you have a weakness and it's okay and get somebody that that's their strength. So that way your team is still as strong as they possibly can be. Yeah, for sure. So do you have like a favorite thing about cheerleading in general? Like, is it, I feel like it changes a lot, at least for me, it has this year, but you know, is it going to the competitions or is it like the hours you spend in practice or is it like building a perfect pyramid or, um, it is definitely not the hours of practice. <laughs> I mean, that's great. And they have their fun moments, but overall that would not be it. I have always said that the reason why I continue to do this job and my favorite part about it is watching the kids on stage, their faces just light up and they're so happy. And knowing that you were able to help give them this moment that makes them just feel this like happiness um, is worth every single hour because, you know, they get, you know, just kids don't get that all the time. A lot of kids don't even know what that, you know, feels like. And to watch these kids just be so happy and having so much fun, that makes it so worth it. Um, I was just thinking about how my, we took our masks off to compete for the first time, like, at this past competition. So just a couple weeks ago. So I really haven't been able to see their faces up until, you know, just like two weeks ago. And when my first team of the day got set, like tears just filled in my eyes because they were so happy. Their faces were beautiful. And I was like that I'm roped in some more, like that's it right there, this moment. So yeah. Yep. Definitely I, competitions. Yeah. We haven't had, uh, Massachusetts hasn't been able to do any live competitions really oh. yet. So it only just started. So our first one is going to be like our season ending event, too, <laughs> um, which is funny. But that's why this year I feel like I think I would normally say like practices are not my favorite thing. But it's like been the only normalcy this year, you know, mm -hmm. is being able to go to practice and be with the kids and just do something that's not. I don't know. Scary. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point though. I mean, going and you're, you're right though. That is, it is fun. And now that you say that, I'm like, yeah, practices are fun. You know, like they do have, they do have that fun part. So that isn't, that's good for me to remember. See, we're always thinking. <laughs> They're not always fun. but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. 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 But last night, actually we had a, I coached an adult team too. And we just were like, it felt like wild fun, but it was like, I don't know what we got done. You know what I mean? So happens like all the time. I'm like, what did we do today? I don't even know. We lost a lot. So I guess that's good. You're not, yeah. Sometimes you leave and you're just like, oh gosh, I don't even know. Yeah, for sure. Um, so it doesn't sound like you're planning to retire anytime soon. This is <laughs> no, I mean, every day or every week, probably I'm like, gosh, I can't do this anymore. I'm too stressed. It's too much. And then, then I, I mean, there's no way I would ever stop. No, 
<laughs> I know. <laughs> I feel exactly the same way. And I think consistently in almost every interview I've done, that's been like the thing, even talking to um, Antoine. I don't know if you listened to that, but I asked him to, and he's like, oh, I don't retire. I now I'm the announcer. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's why I think that would be my point when you were like, what do new coaches need to know? That's why. Cause I'm like, you're going to get roped into this and you need to know everything you're getting roped into. Cause you're never going to want to leave. Yeah, exactly. It's weird how that happens. Correct. So. Great. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope you found it as informative and entertaining as I did. If you're enjoying the podcast, then please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram at The Cheerleading Junkie, or find us on Facebook as The Cheerleading Junkie, or on Twitter at The Cheerleading One. That's T-H-E-C-H-E-E-R-L-E-A-D-I-N, number one. This is Jill Markley, The Cheerleading Junkie, saying see you next week.